What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 276th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I am your host, SBJ. And with me today, I have Will. Yes, it was a very exciting day yesterday. One of my coworkers um, had a baby yesterday, and that is the most important thing that happened yesterday. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> we also have Travis here. You know, getting to listen to the uh, Pokemon Go Fest episode as an outsider uh, looking in has really made me disappointed. And unless I missed something, I think all of the listeners were dying to hear whether or not you did, in fact, use the museum bathroom. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I think you did miss something because I did mention that he didn't get the pass. Oh, okay. but it was like a real quick dealy. But but can you explain yourself? Yeah, I, I used, so bathroom update on Pokemon Go. I used the porta potty for, you know, just your basic necessity, standing only for men, uh, before the park opened. So I was clear in the fact that no one has used these yet. And then later on in the day, I found a hidden bathroom in the parking garage structure, which was not as clean as I preferred, but it was very private, and it the the toilet it got the job done. The toilet there flushed, and that's what's important in that mm-hmm. situation. But but what did that bathroom lack? Well, the you said you said the door was broken because you also found the bathroom. And while I agree, the door was broken. <laughs> it's like a it's like a hidden Zelda thing that you have to do a couple <laughs> tricks to get to. You found the bathroom. I found the bathroom. And I used my car keys to lock the door. <laughs> yes, Sorry? you had to ma- manipulate the lock on the um on the uh, the little swinging door so that it would stay stay locked for you. I also do the th- okay. So you know how in the bathroom, like the stalls never go to the floor, and then you're supposed to ideally it- like look under the stall to see if somebody's feet are there. As far as I understand, it depends on. The country apparently the u.s is kind of odd in having that style of stall where the stall wall does not go all the way down to the floor yeah i think i think it's weird overall like i get it because if maybe you got stuck in it you can crawl under is that really where your mind goes of getting stuck in a bathroom stall yes no 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 i i mean i've thought about that situation of like oh if i get stuck in here i can just crawl underneath as I'm sure we all have, as as we all do some days. But I'm thinking, oh, this is so I can look at the stall and see somebody's feet and call, like, oh, okay, cool. Somebody's in there. Me as a paranoid public bathroom user, not really paranoid, but I've been in situations where I was very young in, like, a public school, possibly or not possibly, MPS, where people just push open the stall and normally that the lock on those stalls aren't strong enough to stop somebody from pushing it. So ever since a child, what I do is I take my jacket or hoodie or sweater and I throw it over the stall door. The, so for the people who don't take the two seconds to look for feet, they will see a, a garment of clothing hanging over the stall signifying that it is occupied. That's how your clothes get stolen. It's true. I'm I'm the most defenseless in the bathroom, so somebody could easily steal <laughs> my hoodie. 
Also, don't you wear like six hundred dollar jeans or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully he's not throwing those over the door. That oh, would be true. A bit yeah, much. I guess I didn't think I didn't think that through. <laughs> if I'm throwing jeans over the door, that means I'm taking my shoes off, and now we now we have a whole another can. This is a Pokemon podcast, everyone. Uh, we got an exciting show for you guys today. We have some Pokemon Go news, of course. Even though Pokemon Go Fest is over, we still have some, what what do they call Fallout to deal with in regards to that. We also have some rumors regarding Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon that are probably fake, but uh, I thought it would be fun to read those rumors on air anyways. And we have some emails for you guys and our Pokemon of the week. So that's our show for you guys. I do want to mention real quick, we'll probably mention this more in depth in house cleaning, but two things I want to mention before we start. One is Micah, Will, sorry, not Will, Micah and myself will be not at this the, year at least. We'll be at the Minnesota PokeCon on Saturday, August 5th in Minnesota. If that is enough detail for you to want to go, you can look that up. That's on our Twitter and our Patreon and I and our subreddit. August 5th, Minnesota PokeCon. We'll be there all day. Did I say Greg was going to be there? Myself Micah and Greg, who is the DM for Mythical, we will all be there. And then the other thing I want to mention real quick is the following week, August 13th, which is a Sunday, is going to be our live seven-year anniversary show. It was actually going to be next week, but because of the PokeCon, we had to delay it one week. So that will be live. We'll have more details with that within the next week, but that will be Will, Travis, and I for that live show. And there will be some more stuff later that day. It'll be a really exciting show. We have some news regarding the show and everything. So very exciting day. So stay tuned for that. With that being said, let's jump into some Pokemon news. First bit of news here is this is a this is available for all regions, but Tyranitarite, Abomasite, Mansitite, and Agronite. Whew. I'm never gonna get better at yeah. Manectite. Manectite. I'm never going to get good at saying these. They're all available for Pokemon Sun and Moon using the universal code, all capitals, S-A-B-L-E-V-O-L-A-N-T. And this is the first time you will be able to get Agronite uh, prior to anything else. The other stones were available in the 2017 International Challenge May. But you can get all four by entering that code one more time. S-A-B-L-E-V-O-L-A-N-T. Sable Volant. Yeah, what is... I'm puzzling that one out. I can't... What does that mean? I don't know. Sablevolant? Hmm. Like, I keep expecting... Like, both times Steve read it out, I kept expecting... Okay, S-A-B-L-E. He's spelling Sableye, and then he's not. I don't... (laughs) Well, this, is Sable black or is that uh, red? I don't know or what language it, this uh, is. English. What? Isn't Sable like a, uh, it's like a, uh, it's a, like a little animal. And then you can make it into a fur. What? Mm. Yeah, it's a black fur, a sable, a sable fur. Uh, so flying and volant means flying, right? So Yeah, flying. able to fly or glide. So it's either a flying black fur thing or sublevolent, which is the 
cousin of Malevolent. Oh, mm-hmm. sables are cute. They're like little. They're super cute. Yes. <laughs> takes a lot of them to make a nice fur. Oh, no. Well, at least they, <laughs> uh, at least according to Wikipedia, they are in the level of least concern in terms of uh, conservation status. So I, I shouldn't be too sad. Pokemon Go update here in regards to Milwaukee Parks. We've been following the story very hard since it started, since I'm from Milwaukee, but this is off the BBC. I suppose I could have found another source, but hey, why oh, not? Yeah, because the BBC is so incredibly unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> it has been for since it started. Uh, right real- up there with the Drudge Report. <laughs> <laughs> Rules designed to stop Pokemon hunters overrunning parks in Milwaukee County has been suspended following a legal change. Milwaukee Parks appeared in Pokemon Go as Pokestop's real-world location players visit to gather in-game's items, but officials said the volume of players had unintended consequences and ordered game makers to apply for permits including to include parks in their apps. The order will be suspended while legal change is considered. Now, this is mostly regard to Lake Park, where there was 21 Pokestops there, The complaints happened. Niantic didn't respond. It went to a couple, what do they call those, like hearings where people could show up and plead if they... Yeah, public hearings. Yep. They wanted... I I kick myself all the time for not going to those because it sounded like it was pretty close. But it pretty much was people coming and saying that this were ruining the parks and then other people coming and saying that, no, this was really good for the parks. Uh, Anyways... It went from 21 park, 21 stops at Lake Park to about nine stops after the removal happened from Niantic, which I still don't think they commented on. Anyways, BBC goes on and says several landmarks in the in Milwaukee parks were included as points of interest in Pokemon Go when it launched in 2016. The Milwaukee County Park Service said a number of players had increased littering in the park, overwhelmed toilet facilities. And it all resulted in trampled grass. Game companies must detail on how they will deal with security, waste collection, and toilet provision as w- as part of the application process. Critics said the requirement might stifle the development of mixed reality games, which companies such as Microsoft and Apple are investing in. In April, a legal challenge was brought by a company called Candy Lab. The company does not make Pokemon Go, but it is a developer of a poker app that encourages players to visit real-world locations. It said video games were protected under the First Amendment right to freedom of speech and claimed the park audience violated that right. A preliminary injunction was granted on Thursday, so the permit required can no longer be enforced until the case is heard. And there you go. There's your Milwaukee... This isn't... Adding stops back to the park, though, which at this point, I don't know what you guys think, but Niantic hasn't said anything. Niantic went ahead, removed some stops. This other company comes in, says that it's a First Amendment right. Permit is no longer enforced. But I don't think Niantic's going to add those 12 stops back all of a sudden. No, so now... I think they've got... Yeah. I was going to say, you can can look at it legally now that um, Milwaukee's uh, first action had a chilling effect, and it will dampen future investment in such opportunities in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean that that's 
that's a good point. You could certainly see it that way that people say like, well, why would I want to work with Milwaukee if they're so uh, hostile to this type of thing? Um, I think uh, y'all would probably agree with me when I say Niantic probably has more important things on the docket than worrying about adding stops back to Lake Park in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> um, it just seems like it, it, to them, like, uh, I, I don't see them caring too much about it. Not because, like, they don't care about users, but just because it's such a small percentage of users who would be impacted by that. Yeah, and at this point, hardcore Pokemon Go players in Milwaukee have found other places some more Pokemon news here. All right, we'll 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 do this one first. So this is July 25th, three days after Pokemon Go Fest ended. This is an update specifically from John Hankey, the CEO. So there's some news in regards here, but they wanted to write a letter about the, uh, about how the fest went. And before before I read this, Travis, you weren't there, and you said you listened to the episode. What did what for for somebody not going to the fest and then hearing that episode? What were what was your thoughts or takeaways from that? I mean, sounds like it was a bust. Like at the end of the episode, y'all were saying stuff like, you know, at, in the end, I had a good time overall, and in the end, it felt worth it just to hang out with people, and and some of the stuff near the end was executed better, but. To me, hearing that, like, that just sounds like a PR disaster for the game. <laughs> um, it just in my last job, I put on a lot of, uh, or not put on myself, but uh, part of my job was helping put on these public events, public events, not quite like this at all, but it certainly did give me, um, a lot of like vicarious stress for the, for the people who had to put this event on and just hearing all the things that went wrong was, Oh boy, I don't envy those the Niantic folks. I don't envy the folks who spent a lot of money on a plane ticket to get there. It just seems like a rough situation all around. I'm sure Niantic thought there would be issues, but I don't think they thought that they would be down for the entire day. Well, until like <sighs> six. All right, so this is, again, from John Hankey. During Pokemon Go Fest 2017 in Chicago, we encountered software and network problems that prevented many people from being able to connect to the game. Players were disappointed with their experiences that morning, and we heard boos and shouts from the crowd. We'd like to update you on what caused these issues. While our technical team worked diligently with our event vendor and telecommunication companies to attempt to resolve the issues, I spent nearly the entire day talking face-to-face with attendees. So did much of the team of the Neatic staff who came to Chicago to support the event. During the hours I spent talking to attendees, I passed on the information we had communicated of our policy on refunds and game credits once we had them, but mostly I listened to what players had to say. Certainly many were upset, and I did my best to listen and offer any assistance I could. Some were able to play normally, more on that later, and more than a few unknown Pokemon were captured by those gathering around to talk. Among those who came up to me, many shared stories of how important the game was to them. Some talked about losing weight, others talked about a path to recovery after a serious illness, and some talked about repaired relationships with children, siblings, and parents. 
Many friends, many groups of friends who had traveled together talked about how the shared bond the game created for them. For those stories, I am grateful because it was obviously an incredibly stressful and disappointing day for all of us. Both I personally and the and all of Niantic apologize for the inconvenience and frustration. What happened? Technical issues with our game software caused the client to crash and interfered with the gameplay for some users. The gameplay issues were resolved with a server configuration changed, and the crashes were also addressed for many but not all users. A more protracted problem was caused by oversaturation of mobile data networks and some network providers. This caused many attendees to be unable to access Pokemon Go or other internet services. Network congestion also led to a login issue, which affected some users being able to access the internet. This latency-related login issue was addressed with a second Niantic configuration change. Well, I don't know if you got this. I remember the not being able to log in. That only lasted like 25 minutes, a half hour maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was not the, the length of the day. It was really like after you were logged in, either getting kicked out or just like poke stops not loading or you're trying to capture a pokemon and you throw the ball and it just like crashes at that point so people were in they just couldn't do stuff once they were in it was almost i think it was what they said here after the first update it went smoothly and then all of a sudden no one could even log in and that lasted for about 25 minutes and then people could log in but then it was back to the the first issue of nothing actually loading Continuing this, on the peer network access issue, we provided details, estimates on attendance and required data throughout per user to our event partner who worked with the major carriers to allow them to plan for ad adequate coverage. Some carriers deployed cellular on wheels, cows, to extend their capacity. In other cases, the providers deemed them unnecessary based on their other infrastru infrastructure already in place on the site. Users reported different levels of success on these providers. Wi-Fi was enabled by one provider as a solution, which helped some users, but not all. Sprint was an on-site official partner, deployed a cow, and their network was busy but held up well. Although many players were able to play normally for the majority of the day, many were not. And based on that, we had a number of adjustments to the event plan. Okay, so let's break down this paragraph because I think this is the first bit of new information. Hanky says that some some cellular networks provided cows. I'm pretty sure we only know that one did, which was Sprint. They provided one cellular on wheels. And they did talk about how one provider provided Wi-Fi. We know who that was for sure. That was AT&T. Yeah, definitely. W where you could pick it up. Which, yeah, AT&T provided Wi-Fi. It worked pretty much, for me, flawlessly throughout the event, except for the 25 minutes with the no-login issue. But if I was on AT&T Wi-Fi, I had no problem playing the game for the most of the day. Uh, but that Wi-Fi only covered maybe one-eighth of the park. Yeah, if even that much. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I didn't see any other cells on wheels. So unless they had them outside the big gates like and didn't bring them on the inside because I don't the main know what thing, they look like. Well, it looks like a, do you know what a cell tower looks like? <laughs> like a radio no. tower. Do you know, have you ever seen like a cherry picker? 
Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm just so, you know, cherry picker. All right, so it's smaller than that, but similar in that it kind of like extends up like that. But here's the trick. There's usually cables coming out of it that hard link into a, you know, the wired internet. Like it doesn't, it's not freestanding. You have to have, you know, cables coming out of it that go to the carrier's actual physical infrastructure. So that's how you notice them because you see those cables going out and being like, they're really, really thick cables and they go off to either like a manhole so they can go underground to where like the fiber networks and the, what are the little things called that the phone companies have? Wow, my terminology is out of my head. No, 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 no. It's, um, it's the stations where all the telephones get together in one place. Well, there's a term for uh, it. Telephone I Con 2016. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the hub. <laughs> oh, it's not a hub. It's got a really, it like, it's called like the central exchange or the central office. I think it's just called the central office. There's one of them up the street from me. When you come visit me, I'll point it out to you. But uh, <laughs> they've got to hook into the wired infrastructure somehow. And then that tower can then augment cellular, but, but you know, still transporting it into the wired. So not seeing any towers with cables, thick cables coming out of them and going into hidden secret underground chambers, to me, it means they weren't there unless they were outside of the park because, you know, we were inside that gated area of the park, which I never mentioned was truly impressive to me that they can throw up an ad hoc fence around that entire size of that park you know that like that fence is removable yeah and that was pretty amazing to me going back on the pure network access issue we provided detailed estimates on attendance and required data throughout per user to our event partner who worked with the majority characters to allow them to plan for adequate coverage is the event partner grant park is that is that the situation there no, I think it's whatever company did actual event production, because obviously Niantic is not a specialist in event production, so it's whatever that company was. Um, there, there are people who actually specialize in event management and putting these kinds of things on. Well, clearly not after this. Oh, and the words that you were going for there, um, throughput and carrier. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> it's just frustrating, and I'm sure it's even more frustrating for Niantic to say, hey... We're going to have a lot of people here, 20,000 to be, to be accurate, because even, even when we were talking to the producer, Will, somebody, another reporter was like, how many people are here? And the producer was like, less than 20,000. She's like, can I get an exact number? And he's like, our permit allowed for up to 20,000 people. There were no more than 20,000 people in this park. And that, and then he also said that includes, staff oh interesting because they probably had about probably 200 minimum but still that's 19,800 people that were players I, I just bet there was a horrible miscommunication somewhere or somebody like did the very arbitrary oh this really isn't that important decision and it turns out to the that was the most important of all the decisions but even if you're neantic and they come back I none of us had Verizon here, but I'm pretty sure Verizon had the most issues because Irene was on Sprint and Irene was playing more than most of us were. Like I said, the AT&T Wi-Fi worked for me. If you're Niantic and Verizon comes back and tells the event partner, 
nah, we don't need to bring out a cow. And the event partner tells Niantic, hey, we're not, like, Verizon's not bringing out a cow. Aren't you, don't you as Niantic push back and say, we don't, we'll pay for the cow, just bring the cow out anyways. Like, who's well, paying, and then I'm Verizon, who's paying for the and cow? I say, but you, I mean, typically you don't have to pay for them because the carriers want their network to work where people are. But the response from Verizon is going to be, don't have a cow, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> I imagine it's just a situation of that probably happened and the carrier still said no. I mean, you could see why from Verizon or AT&T or uh, probably not Sprint, but the other two's perspectives, like, this probably doesn't seem that important to them, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's just me. I was going to say, or they just didn't really believe that 20,000 people were going to play up, yeah. show up to play Pokemon. Early in the afternoon, we informed players that we, could, that we would refund tickets to those who wanted it, and we would grant $100 USD in Pokecoins to all attendees due to their inconvenience. We also released the unique Pokemon spawning at the event to their surrounding neighborhoods to give people a way to catch them where their mobile network was stronger. Doesn't say here, but... They extended that radius two miles around Grant Park. Later in the afternoon, we announced the winner of the challenge and let players know that all attendees would receive a legendary Pokemon in their accounts. That was Lugia. In the early evening, as part of planned gameplay update for all trainers globally, we released legendary Pokemon Articuna and Lugia to spawn in the border area around downtown Chicago and around the world. That's when Pokemon Go trainers did something awesome. As people filed out of the event into the surrounding areas where cellular network was less overburdened, they were able to play together and capture legendary Pokemon in the wild. It was inspiring to watch trainers band together with their friends to enjoy the beautiful, the beautiful evening together despite the struggles of the day. That spirit extended well into the night and resumed again the next day with clusters of Pokemon trainers roaming the city battling legendary Pokemon throughout the day on Sunday. Together from late Saturday to Sunday, trainers in downtown Chicago participated in more than 69,000 raid battles and captured more than 7.7 .7 million Pokemon, including more than 440,000 legendary Pokemon. It was an amazing sight to behold, and it, it is a testament to the love of the game and the bonds these trainers share with each other. Trainers from the world joined around as well. During the same time period, they participated in more than 4.6 million raid battles and caught more than 500 million Pokemon, including more than 1.9 million legendary Pokemon. At the same time... We were struggling in Chicago. An amazing event was unfolding in Chester, UK, organized by our partner Big Heritage. More than 17,000 people visited that event over two days in one of England's oldest and most historic settings. The combination of history and family-oriented Pokemon Go play was a hit. We will be incorporating all our learnings into Pokemon Go events planned for later this summer in Yokohama, Japan, and across Europe. As these events unfold, trainers around the world will have a chance to capture even more legendary Pokemon. Based on the efforts Saturday at Pokemon Go Fest, Lugio, Lugio, Lugia and Articuno were unlocked. In the weeks ahead, they will be joined by Moltres and Zapdos. 
Articuno will be re- will be available from January July 22nd to July 31st. Moltres July 31st to August 7th and Zapdos on August 7th through August 14th. Finally, last paragraph here. Real-world events are the core to the Neantic mission of exploration, exercise, and social interaction. We've been doing this since the early days of Ingress in 2012. Those events grew progressively larger over time, starting with a few dozen in attendance, growing to over 10,000 in Tokyo last summer. At each stage of growth, we've encountered challenges, and each time we've overcame them, We gained new skills and pioneered new techniques for building real-world experiences that support our mission. Last Saturday was not a happy day for us, but we are committed to listening to that feedback, however harsh, to improve that we can continue to build experiences and bring people together, technology, and the real world in innovative ways. John Henke. So an incredibly well-written, I think incredibly well-said, I think needed to be said, but Will, what are your thoughts overall from this message from Niantic? I mean, he's still expressing optimism and the fact that they're still committed to providing this game. You know, they're not throwing in the towel because everybody, because it didn't work on that one Saturday. They're actually planning, you know, on continuing having events and hopefully that those future events will be successful. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it's, it is well written. I think it's a good explanation, but obviously, you know, when he says they invite whatever criticism, however harsh, uh, they're going to get it. And because uh, trolls be trolls. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's other news items, I'm sure, that are going to address that portion of it. I don't know last week how much time we spent on it. Once the legendary. Re- so the legend, the Lugia was supposed to start at 6 p.m. And then the surprise was Articuna because Team Mystic 1 was also supposed to appear. And that whole mystery event was from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then the the fest was over. At 7.05 p.m., that's when the first legendary raid showed up, which was Lugia, which was above the fountain near Grant, near Grant Park, not in Grant Park. What was said here in the blog post, which I feel like if, if you're reading a Pokemon Go article on, on Polygon or The Verge or... CNN or I don't who everyone reported on this. So whether wherever you're reading this article, you're seeing Pokemon Go Fest in a negative light. And for fair reasons. But that whole weekend starting at 7 p.m. going into Sunday was just incredible. And Will, you were there Saturday night, but even like before we got to dinner, even after dinner. We played a ton of Pokemon Go Fest and it, Pokemon Go, and it was really good and really fun. Yeah, you kept me there Saturday night. That is true, <laughs> and, it, and it was a good time. Like you caught, I had fun. Bef- I mean, I got you Lugia got to, before anybody else. So. Yeah, before you got to the restaurant, you walked in with a Lugia and what, like two Articunos or two? No, Lugias? I walked in with two Lugias. I still don't have a Lugia, Articuno. two Articunos, and Swagger. <laughs> and all the all the unknowns. Irene and I went back to Chicago after we record. So we recorded that podcast on Sunday morning. We were uh, we were recording for like three hours, and we ended up with a two hour episode. And then we went to Will, myself, Irene, Micah. We went to lunch, got some good thin crust pizza, 
Oh, oh, oh. I mean, it was tasty, but saying that it's good is really a put down to other kinds of pizza in the world. <laughs> we then stopped at Mayfair Mall to see if there were raids. There was an Articuno and a Lugia there. Uh, we learned firsthand how uncooperative Milwaukee people are when it comes to raids. Correct. We quickly left that, and then Micah took Will to the airport. Irene and I went back to Chicago, so that's a, it was about an hour and 50-minute drive for me, and because we went down during rush hour. We parked, and it was... Sunday w- rush hour. <laughs> every day, every hour of Chicago is rush hour. And we did Pokemon Go again. We walked up to the giant Millennium Bean, and there was a Lugia there, like, right when we got out of the car, and we caught that, and we walked down the street, there was another raid, we caught that, we walked over to the amphitheater, there was a Charizard, there were people doing that, we caught that. We were there from about 6 p.m. to about midnight, so six hours, and it was just incredible. I can't even put into words how much fun I had. You People could say, well, Pokemon Go Fest was a bust, but that Sunday would have never happened if Pokemon Go Fest was successful because one of the things they changed on the fly, and again, props to Niantic for doing this, is not only did they extend the event out two miles around Chicago, they extended it to Monday night. So Sunday would have never really existed without the failure of the event and Sunday was easily one of the best days of Pokemon Go that I've that I've ever had playing the game. All right, and now we fade in. Every rose has its thorn. <clears throat> yes, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I wish I could have stayed until Monday because I would have gone back down to Chicago with you guys. I I I think we said this last week. I assume at one point because they Niantic kind of threw in the towel around four thirty. Legendary raids went up at about seven seven oh five. I am sure like halfway through the day, they were like, we need to get legendary raids working as soon as possible. And it's possible that while, yeah, we are going to miss our six o'clock deadline, we can probably get it tonight. That was the right call. We know all these Chicago people are still going to be in town, whether they came. I'm sure I'm sure some people flew out that night. But for the people who didn't, which my guess would be most of the people, they were still in Chicago. And then they they were primed to experience the legendary raids, like what like what was talked about here in the blog post. And the final thing I want to say on this before we move to our next article is, even with all this bad press and Pokemon Go Fest being a flop, at least during the sorry <laughs> during the time that it was scheduled, Pokemon Go, the app in iOS, made it to number one in the app store and as of we're recording this it's number two so that's a whole week after the fest has been over like it seems like this is going to be talked about for a while but it doesn't seem like this is going to put a dent in that core fan base oh i I agree i've actually been playing pokemon go a tremendous amount more ever since that saturday and i've been catching all kinds of pokemon yeah i agree to some extent i think a lot of the fan base will be angry for a while but i you know, you go to the root of their anger, it's because they were really excited to have a cool event with the game they like. It's like, it, they probably will still like the game. They'll just probably be a little angry about it for a while. This probably won't be talked about that much in, you know, four or five months, but the next time Niantic does an event, I think the only difference there 
is the people that did go might second guess buying a ticket. But overall, I don't think that matters because there were plenty of people that didn't get tickets that would probably buy those tickets as quickly as they can the next time they do this. Speaking of the next time they do this, they're planning on it in Europe, but they have delayed some of the European events. This is off TheVerge.com. Niantic Lab threw a big event in Chicago last weekend to celebrate the first year of Pokemon Go, only to run into cellular data congestion and server issues that made the game unplayable for many attendees. Now the company has announced that it is delaying several of the planned European events to ensure trainers will be able to play the game. In a blog post, Niantic said that two of the events planned for Copenhagen and Prague on August 5th and Stockholm and Amsterdam on August 12th will be delayed until later this fall. Several of the other planned events for Japan August 14th and France, Spain, and Germany September 16th are moving forward as scheduled. The delay comes after Chicago's Pokemon Go Fest got off to a disastrous start last week. Cellular service was spotty. The server issues prevented players from logging into the game. When Niantic CEO John Hankey took stage for his opening remarks, players booed him, and the company ultimately ended up offering refunds and $100 worth of Pokecoins to players. Last week, nearly two dozen attendees launched a class action lawsuit against Niantic aiming to recoup travel expenses. To make up for the delays wow. of its European events, Niantic said that players in certain European cities should keep their eyes out for Pokemon that are rarely seen in Europe. <laughs> Kangaskhan. Uh, and pr- promised further updates once the new dates were locked down. Not terribly big news with the delays. I think that's, I think that's fine. Instead of the event ending on September 16th in France, Spain, and Germany, that's when the event is going to be kick- kicking off. Other events later this fall, I think that's great. Let's talk about this two dozen attendees launching a class action lawsuit. I'm sure I'm sure all 24 are from California because they are lawsuit happy in that state. Uh, um, well, but just to make it clear that once it becomes, if if they are granted a class action lawsuit, that means that all attendees of the mm-hmm. Pokemon Go Fest become the class. So it's not limited to just those 24 people. I'm no longer a class because I bet when I applied for that refund, it probably said, you can't sue us. Now, you can't, you can't give away your legal rights. Uh, you can't sign away le- certain legal rights. So, yeah, no, you, you're a member of the class. Um, you actually... You, I don't want to be a part of this uh, class. You, Just like I didn't want to uh, be part of my high school graduating class. You, you, you will oh, be given yeah. uh, the option to remove yourself from the class. Right, like you have probably seen things that come to you in the mail that say, like, our... Our records show that, you know, it, like a lot of the times it happens with like vehicles, like our records show that you're an owner of a whatever a year Ford or Chevy or whatever, whatever. And there's a class action lawsuit. So if you want to opt out, reply with yada yada. So there will probably be a way for if you don't want to be involved, there will probably be a specific uh, way for you to opt out of the class. Do you guys think that a lawsuit is needed? For the people who are complaining about travel expenses, that's a leading question. Do you, <laughs> do you think it's ne- do you think these complainers are acting in a necessary fashion? Yeah, um, I think that more more or less the question. So, Travis, not being at the event, I think your opinion is very valuable. 
let's say you drove you you would have drove farther than I would. That's for sure. I think your drive would have been five hours to so, Chicago. Yeah. No, like two two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Three. So let's say let's just say you, you drove three hours there. You didn't want to drive the three hours back, so you get a you you know you get a hotel room for one night. You drive three hours back. That's not terribly expensive. After the disaster that was the day, Niantic is giving you $100 in your game, which is, I, I personally was very happy with that. Uh, and they're refunding your ticket. So they're refunding you $30. Uh, well, I just, do you think that was, do you think that was good enough for the people who attended? And we're not gonna, we're not I, talking about travel expenses yet. We're just talking about those two things. I'm having difficulty understanding what question you ask, are you asking? If, if you're asking, do I think the, uh, refund plus the pokey coin credit was suitable from like an like an ethical standpoint like like if you're asking do i think that that was substantial enough to be an example of niantic doing the right thing if if that's your question i think i say yes if you're asking is that enough to make a lawsuit unnecessary my answer would be i don't think those two things are very related at all i mean like i think on the question of a lawsuit i wouldn't know where to start because to me it a, a lawsuit seems kind of outrageous in this instance like to sue someone because i paid to go see a thing and then like like i wouldn't go to like the only thing i can think of to compare it that like would be a thing i would go to is like if i went to see a band like play a concert and i thought their set was terrible like i wouldn't sue them like that seems outrageous <laughs> and to me it, i don't really see it as being that much different like it pokemon go promised an event niantic promised an event and it didn't go well but like that's to me that just always that's that's always an option in the back of you know that's always a possibility so i a lawsuit seems strange to me and i don't necessarily think the absence or presence of a refund afterwards really would really affects whether a lawsuit is necessary does that make sense yeah no you you answered it exactly how i wanted it you to and i worded that poorly and you still understood it so it just shows the <laughs> The dedication you have for years of doing it shows this show. that I'm really good. <laughs> Will your thoughts on this lawsuit, and if it was, if you deem it necessary? Um, so you know, I'm not a lawyer, but just trying to break it apart in a somewhat legalistic point of view. Um, the question is, like, did Niantic create an enticement for people to spend extra amounts of money on airfare and hotel to come to Chicago, and? You know, and then they're, therefore they're liable for those expenses because if not, they hadn't have put on their event, um, then the people wouldn't have spent the money, right? And then so they're, therefore they have harmed the people that spent the money. I, I just, I don't see that as carrying through, uh, coherently because, you know, let's imagine that like some really great band that doesn't play a lot of, shows like my favorite band fall chen we're going to do a concert in uh central park in new york right and they're like we're doing one concert it's the first time we've done a concert in a decade and we're not going to do another concert for another decade and this is the one right if people bought plane tickets and hotels in new york city to go see that concert 
And then Full Chan was like, oh, we just all got measles. So concerts canceled and we're not rescheduling and, you know, we'll refund all your tickets. There's no lawsuit. No, no one would have a lawsuit saying, well, we're suing them because we paid all this money. So it's, it really falls into that same category. And I'm actually surprised that there are, well, I want to say that I'm surprised that there are lawyers that took this case thinking that they could actually win. But I guess there's lawyers that'll take any case out there. What, what you both said, I think, are good analogies. What I was thinking is... Like my, tri- I'm going to PAX West to talk about Pokemon like I do. I just booked Irene and my plane ticket for that, and it was $1,100. The hotel I booked was $1,200. So we're at a $2,000 travel expense to go to Seattle for four days. And my wallet hurts a lot from that. And I'm, I am confident that there are... There were plenty of people that traveled outside of Chicago that probably paid more than $2,000 to get to Chicago, to get a hotel, to get ready for Pokemon Go Fest. But who, maybe I, I have the answer, the who is the people suing, who goes to a new city or just a city for one event and nothing else? Like when I, when I'm going to go to Seattle... I'm going to go to the Space Needle. I'm going to go to a museum. I'm going to walk a do- I'm going to walk around the the wharf. Is that what it's called? The wharf. The, the I've never been to Seattle, but the sure. docks, the the shore, the the boat area. I'm going to walk around the boat area. I'm going to do a hundred things because I'm in a new city. I'm on a vacation. Just because the event I went to didn't work a hundred percent. It did work some percent, and it conti- and it worked really well if you walked two blocks away from the event, which they extended at, what did they extend it, Will? At like 3 p.m. they extended it? 2 yeah, PM, about that time. Where they said, hey, leave the park. Go catch Unknown. Go catch Heracross. Go get your 2K eggs. One block away, just go out and play outside the park. It'll work. We made it work outside the park. And you know what? It'll work the rest of the night. And it'll work the next day. And it will work Monday. Everything that you can experience here now works. Just leave the park. But going back to my original statement, who goes to an event just for one thing? Like, I cannot imagine the people that are suing that flew to Chicago didn't do other stuff in the city. There's so much to do in Chicago. I don't know. That's debatable. I mean, it is Chicago. <laughs> don't, what are you going to do? You're going to eat? You You're going to drink a beer? Of Chicago. You're going to have a hot dog? And, but, you, yeah. but you see what I'm saying, though? Yes, like, of course. $2,000 is very nice. The aquarium <laughs> is very cool. Uh, like, I'll, I, I don't agree with the planetarium. That was very disappointing. Oh, now, the Chicago... <laughs> the Chicago science and... Magic, uh, those two words don't go together. The science, science of magic. and industry? Yeah, that museum's legit. That, that is a very good museum. I could never imagine going to an, a, a city for a Pokemon event, only doing that Pokemon event, and then not doing anything else. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on the side of the fence where I don't agree with this lawsuit. I hope these people... Oh, oh honestly, it has no legal merit. I, I mean, if, if you just look at any kind of... Um, 
historical precedent there if just look yeah, at any like large Digimon concert that versus... ever got no but just look at any large concert that ever got canceled and see if people ever got their travel and hotel paid for i mean and no. going back to pax like bungie is going to have their own area at pax west this year and i'm very excited for that and i booked my tickets before they announced that they were going to have before they announced that destiny 2 was going to be there before they announced that they were going to have their own area if i get there and bungie goes oh well you know that building burned down a week ago and we don't have a spot to host our event you know what i do instead because most of my most of my time there at pax will probably be in that bungie area because i love i love destiny if for some reason that doesn't exist when i get there i'm not going to say hey i want my $2000 back because I paid to go to PAX West and this specific thing at PAX West didn't work slash wasn't there slash, you know what I do? I do other stuff. And in the case of Pokemon Go, yeah, it didn't work for most of the day, but they made it work in a different situation. You just had to listen to what they had to say, which was leave our park and go play elsewhere and it will work. We made it work. Don't worry, guys. It works. And it did work. It's, it's frustrating. We'll, 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 we'll keep covering it as it goes on. Travel is expensive, but no one's, no one's forcing you to do it. Got one more bit of news, but what we'll do is we'll take a break. We got some rumors regarding Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Probably fake, like I said before, but uh, we'll talk about it right when we get back from our break, which we're taking right now. You gotta think outside of the box, dude. Yeah. And outside of the bun. Think outside the bun. Think outside the bun. I mean, that's a pretty good saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think outside the bun. Bun, 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 bun. Think outside the bun. Bun, 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 bun. Think outside the bun. Isn't that the Taco Bell thing? And we are back from our break. Let's talk about this Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon fake rumors. Ah, uh, this is a 4chan, by the way, so you know. Oh, wow. It's the latest Only and greatest. the finest of information. All right. So, according to this rumor, the second trailer for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon is supposed to come on August 6th. Uh, the trailer will start off showing some major character changes. Lily is your rival. Gladion will take care of Nebi. And Hao will be the first trial captain using psychic-type Pokemon. Already, I'm not buying this, but... <laughs> Psychic type for how? That's Not in the strange. slightest bit. Uh, they will then reveal new forms of familiar Alolan Pokemon. There will be a Mimikyu horror form. After the disguise activates on certain Mimikyu, their sheets will fall off and show a dark creature with a round head. No. Eight piercing red eyes and no. eight of its claws and eight of its claws holding it up. Along with a drooling ma- mouth. No, and this is wrong right here because we've already seen what Mimikyu looks like out of its disguise in the Pokemon anime, where it's like a floating, it's like uh, an orb ball of yeah, floating or gaseous orb. Uh, when it undergoes this change, it will become Ghost slash Dark type, and its Ooh. opponent auto flinches the turn it is revealed. It is much faster and stronger and has higher special attack than physical now, though its physical attack is still higher than normal Mimikyu, and it's abysmal def- and, but it will have abysmal defense and special defense. So there's your Mimikyu change. Uh, yeah, I also agree with 
Travis, even in the anime, it shows that it has two eyes underneath its cloak when it's in the water swimming. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay, so to uh, bury this rumor even more, it the trailer will then show a sazzle gangster form. It will always what? be male, and it can only it can only become male by leveling up and knowing the move thief. I, a, I think you've said something wrong there because you said it can only become male. You mean it can only only the oh, males yes. can become gangster form? Yes, I'm sorry. Correct. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. Its, abil- its ability is prankster, and it's poison slash dark type. Slightly higher attack through its attack stat, and it's barely, uh, which is barely unusable. Higher speed, higher, slightly higher defense, much lower special attack and special defense. It has a mask on like sandal, sandal, sandal it, sandlot, saland it. Yep. With a cape, a cape with no tail, it even has more of a slim body. Next, it will show some brand new Alolan forms. Alolan quillfish will be shown with a steel poison type, uh, typing. Has a new ability, Iron Guard, which is immune to all statuses, including minor statuses like confusion and infatuation. It almost always goes last, even with a priority move and the opponent using a minus priority move. That doesn't make any sense and destroys the rumor even more. Uh, It is more of a... Unless the uh, theoretical new ability also included that, which is... Mm. Uh, It's more metallic-looking. Darker green parts are silver, having longer-shaped quills. Also has a ball and chain attached. Alolan Snubble and Granbull, ground for Snubble, ground fighting for Granbull. Ability is imitate on Snubble, knockback for Granbull. Contact moves have a 20% chance to switch the Pokemon out. Their color scheme is of an actual bulldog, more muscular, both stand on all four. More coming below. Uh, Alolan Slugma is ice. Ability uh, ability is freezing pressure, makes water-type moves used on it sent back at 1.5 power of an ice-type move. However, fire-type moves, even the ones that don't do it, have a 100% chance of burn when used on Slugma. Uh, These abilities are real complicated for a rumor. Yeah, and the fact that all of them, almost all of them are, like, unique abilities, with the exception of Prankster, which is a huge, like, fan-favorite ability, like, hmm... It's almost like this is just, uh, these are just someone's, you know, fantasies about what a cool Pokemon would be. A final thing shown in the trailer is a twist, is what the twisting thing was shown in trailer one is. It's a Z, it's called a Z ability. One Pokemon per battle has its ability buff, overgrown blaze, and torment, for example, all do the same thing. With full HP, their stats, besides HP, are basically half of what they're supposed to do. But the more damage the Pokemon takes, the more powerful the move gets. At 1 8th HP or lower, their base stats are doubled. Only Pokemon with exclusive Z crystals can have a Z ability and acts as a Z move. In single battle, it's Z move or Z ability, one or another. First comment is, sounds plausible. <laughs> Does it? The problem I have uh. with this rumor is how complicated the abilities are. Like the whole, yep. Hey, you're 
you're if you're a lowland slugma you're getting burned by any fire type move even if the fire type move doesn't burn you what ability has ever been that complicated arguably the most complicated ability or maybe it just seems the most complicated because it's new and complicated but arguably the most complicated ability is water bubble which is the ability that uh araquanid yeah, or araquanid I, Araquanid, I yeah. Yeah. Has because it has like multiple effects. So first it cuts the damage from fire type moves in half and it but it also doubles the power of water type moves you use, but it also also prevents you from being burned and like there's all these stipulations and like that is such an exception to the rule. And like every and, and and stands out for how strange it is and how many effects it has. Like as I was listing them, I had already forgotten some of the earlier effects that I had already said. And pretty much all of the abilities that were listed there are like on that level of complication. And like Water Bubble already stands out so much of being strange and overly complicated. I really doubt that they're like let's just have a bunch of those. Also. Uh, Salazzle's a mean dude now. <laughs> even, go even going back to the first sentence, Lily is your rival, Gladian will take care of Nebby. I have zero, zero clue how that works in a story, in a, in a story sense, and how was the first trial, Captain? I think we were all in agreement that this was more like a platinum or an emerald than a black and white two. Correct. And what they're laying out seems more like a black and white two of... yeah. The whole Mimikyu thing, I don't think is plausible at all. It's not like the anime is it's doing... It's got fangs, and it's got blood, and it's got <sighs> death, and it's really metal. I I could see Mimikyu having its own form. I could totally see that. I also understand the basic concept of if you're going to have a Pokemon hiding under a disguise... You probably never actually show what's under there because that's just like a trope that you use to get people interested in it. Does that make sense? Like, why? It's like in Harry Potter, you never see the true form of the bog art yep. or whatever. The, you never see that. And that's the point. And I feel like that's the point of Mimikyu. You don't know what's under the disguise. And once you know, it, def it kind of deflates the importance of that pokemon once you know yep i i could see a male like uh a gangster form obviously isn't what it would actually be called i could totally see a male salazzle but i think that takes away the specialness of finding a female salazzle sandal it sandal 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 lot so land it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> The quill, like the Alolan quillfish, sounds plausible except for the ridiculous ability that. Yeah. yeah, like if your ability of quote unquote Iron Guard, which I think they said that it's Iron Guard sounds like an ability that exists, but apparently they're saying it's a new ability. But that's that's fine. For an ability to go, hey, where you're immune to every single status condition, including confusion and infatuation. Which okay, that's fine, cool, but also. If you use Quick Attack and they use Protect, wait, no, Protect is highest priority. What's a move that, that example? Yeah. 
or is it counter? Counter goes second, right? Counter, no. is, counter is a good example, but well, maybe a bad example. But um, pursuit, pursuit, yeah, pursuit always goes second, doesn't it? We're we're very we're Pokemon experts here. Anyways, if Quillfish has Aqua Jet, which I'm pretty sure a normal Quillfish can learn, which is priority plus one. Quillfish uses Aqua Jet, and they use just a base zero move, and they're slower. So let's say they're What's a, what's a slow Pokemon? Snorlax. I think Quillfish is faster than Snorlax. To tell me that the ability also makes them go last using a plus one priority, that, that doesn't make any sense. Minus priority. So the lowest priority move in Generation 7, at least in this chart that I'm looking at right here, is Trick Room. Okay. Trick Room would go before a Aqua Jet. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. Or something. I don't know. Hmm. And then the real question is, how does any of that work once Trick Room goes up? Uh, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, would even, I would even go to the extent of saying, none of this sounds that great. <laughs> like a lowland quillfish? Cool. I could, I could buy into that, because quillfish is a pretty okay Pokemon. Everything listed just sounds a little too edgy. You know, like there, <laughs> there aren't there aren't any little cute Pokemon in this description. True. Where's the Togedemaru? Yeah, I don't know. I also like if they're showing Alolan forms for Generation Two. I don't think Slugma and Quillfish are your staple Pokemon to show. <laughs> Feel like you have other. Who, re- th- who remembers Gen Two Pokemon? Yeah, Smeargles. High low swine. High low swine. <laughs> yeah. Problem is that that has a later evolution, so... Yeah, that's not as cool as it. I like Mamoswine a lot. Mamoswine's fine, but it's too big for pokey hugs. I already went over this on Slack. (laughs) I understand. Uh, Let's do some emails. Uh, First email we have... Oh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can send us emails over at sbj at pkmncast.com or... Go over to PokemonPodcast.com, hit that contact button. First email here is from Stefan. Says it in the first sentence. Hi, my name is Stefan, pronounced Steph-Finn. I was thinking about this after listening to Brokemon No Fest podcast. Again, sorry to hear that Will didn't get any golden birthday booty. Just one question. How did you all meet? I've been listening to the podcast for over a year now. I love it. I haven't thought about it until listening to you all in the same room with each other. Stefan. I definitely sent in, well, I was a big fan of the show for, I listened in the show's early days and I was a huge fan of it to the extent where when I was in high school, I would be sitting in a class that I always, it was, there wasn't enough work to do in that class and it was a computer class. So I ended up just sitting on the Pokemon podcast on the It's Super Effective website and refreshing, waiting for new articles to appear, because that's when um, there was a lot of written content on the website, and I would just sit there like, come on, I need I need some content right now. I'm sitting here bored <laughs> in class. Um, and so and so in that, those days, I did write, uh, I wrote in occasionally as uh, you are, uh, listener, Stefan. And then later, around uh, episode, well, like, well, so episode 31 was my first, but so a little bit before that, 
I think you tweeted out something along the lines of, um, would anyone be interested in being on the show or something? And I already had um, some experience uh, podcasting because a predecessor of uh, one of my shows now, a predecessor to the Arbitrary Archive, the, that show I was already doing at that point when I was still in high school with my brother. So um, I already had a microphone. I knew how it went. So I said, hey, I know things about Pokemon and I really like your show. So I can do it. And then you said, okay. And then me and Kenny hopped in a Skype call, and we recorded episode 31, Revamp. That is accurate. Will, I don't remember the initial conversation, but I remember I was in a, I was living in a house at the time. I was sharing a house with two other people. I already met Irene at this point, and we talked a little bit. I'm pretty sure it was over email, and then I found out you worked at Georgetown, and you wanted to do content for the site, and... You had a degree in African studies, if I recall. Well, I mean, that's part of it, sure. I remember all that at once and then being very excited and going to work about just like meeting you. But I don't remember why you initially emailed in or was like, hey, I'm reaching out to you. Oh, I remember our very first, very, very first interaction of all interactions. You tweeted something from the show account about the number of hours you had put into uh, Pokemon Black and White, and I responded and said, don't worry, it caps out after 999, because I had already hit that number. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that it stops counting <laughs> once you get to 999 hours. <laughs> I put a lot of time into Black and White. No, um, I think, I can't remember why, but Dave Thomas was, like, not doing Pokemon of the Week articles anymore. So, and you were like revamping the site and you were like, oh, I need people to provide content for the site. And I was like, well, I got nothing better to do with my life. Let me see if I can write articles. And then you're like, well, give me a sample article. And then I did. And then you're like, well, that sounds good. You can write Pokemon of the Week. And then I started writing Pokemon of the Week. February 14th, 2012, I think. Yeah. It was really 2012. What? Or yeah, that would, that's right. Because yeah. yeah, that sounds right. My first article was uh, Totodial. <laughs> Not terribly exciting stories, but stories nonetheless. Uh, this message is from Scott. Hey, SBJ and squad. No favorites here. You are all great. This is Scott from Phoenix, Arizona, at Scott and Slack. I've been listening since the black and white days. I haven't sent in an email to the show for a while, and I have a question that's been on my mind since Sun and Moon launch. Are you planning on doing an Alola Top 10 ranking like you did for Kalos? I love the Kalos Top 10, and I would really enjoy getting your opinions on the top Alola Pokemon now with the games. Now that the games have been out for a while. I was also a big fan of the Kickstarter episode, and I thought it would be even better if you could all record the list creation. Just a thought. Thanks for all you do, Scott. So this is just a person who likes ranking things. Hmm. Love the rank. <laughs> I I remember talking about did we we talked about the Kalo or not the Kalos, the Alolan Pokemon when we did the Kickstarter episode. And the consensus at that time was you all really wanted Mimikyu. No, I think the consensus was that like not all of them had even been announced at that point, right? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, because it was they, before the the games came out. I remember a lot of you wanted to put Mimikyu on the list, and I finally said, uh, I, hey, we're not going to... Yeah, 
Uh, I don't was, remember it being that way. I don't remember it being that way at all. I think it was just like Mimikyu had just been announced, and me and Micah thought Mimikyu was funny, and like jokingly said, if Alolan Pokemon were allowed, it would just be all Mimikyu all the oh, way okay. down. Okay, as, as a joke, because I don't think all of the Alolan Pokemon had even been announced yet. I think you're right. But we, I was like, no, let's let's not worry about Alola. And we did the list as it was. And now I think we're so close to Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. It would be a shame if we did it now. And then all of a sudden they show, you know, Alolan Ursa Ring. And we would have to adjust the list accordingly. So I think it's something yeah. we would do, but probably after Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And I think that's okay because it's still like the same generation. Mm-hmm. I think that works. G- give, me, give me a quick, quick take. Name three Pokemon you'd ha- you'd consider for that list. Rabombi. Travis and I will probably have the same exact ones. Yeah, Rabombi, right up Mimikyu. there. Mimikyu. Hmm. It's hard to narrow down a third. Like, do Alolan forms count? Yeah, that's the other question. If they do, then probably, I think the, maybe like Alolan Exeggutor. I'm a huge Rabombi fan. That just, it's like. It's very good. It's, it's just a very special little little guy that uh that you gotta have um it also can like kill dragons so (laughs) (laughs) uh i mean mimikyu is an easy call because that is such a really cool although i'm using mimikyu in my pokemon sun playthrough right now so basically i hatched it from an egg and it's not that strong in the lower levels (laughs) it's really useful it uh, it it is useful to have in a single player playthrough though because once you have leveled it up to an extent where uh you're higher leveled than all of the wild pokemon it's really nice to be able to have a pokemon that can take a hit and no hp is lost cuz you just always yep. roll with it in the front and its disguise is dead but you but you can pretty much guarantee two hits and then you like never lose hp and you don't lose that sort of uh, war of attrition that is walking through a route to the next Poke Center. Yeah, the the really hard thing is though, it doesn't learn play rough until level forty six. Oof. So that's a long wait before you get that really strong fairy type move. Oh well. Still, it's cute. Um my third, hmm I don't that's a tough call. I I mean, there's so many that I like. I love all the Pokemon. Mm. I mean, Araquanid is the one that was my, like, workhorse for <laughs> most of my Pokemon Moon playthrough, so uh, I'll have to go with that. I would probably go with uh, Tucanon, Litten, and Alolan. Infernicat? Infernicat. <laughs> God, those are terrible picks. Oh, man, Tucanon's oh, so great. Just garbage Pokemon. <laughs> what is the third one? What did you say for Alo- the third Alo- one? Alolan Muck. Alo- I like Alolan Muck a lot. It, it's 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 my little pride flag Pokemon, <laughs> so <laughs> I can't hate on it. Uh, we'll do we'll do one more email for this episode. Uh, this one is from AC Boston. Hey everyone! Big shout out to Nick Berg- Burgess. Did I say that right? Burgess 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 for all the awesome music that he's been making for the show. The bumps are now one of the elements I look forward to most each week on new ISC. In episode 273, Steve tackled the issue 
of how, although we've gotten Mega Evolutions and Regional Variants, we haven't seen many straightforward evolutions of Classic. So now Gen 1 to Gen 4, I guess, Pokemon that we did with Gen 2 and Gen 4 a long time ago. That got me thinking, what if, assuming that Pokemon continues to introduce regional variants and pre-existing species, they introduce a new regional form of an old Pokemon and give it that regional form its own unique evolution? Although sand, the Sand sl- Slash is the end of the line when it comes to Sand Shrew traditional evolution, what if Alolan Sand Slash could evolve further into a stage 2 Pokemon we've never seen before? Because Cantonian Sand Slash cannot evolve any further, but Alolan Sand Slash can. This could give some stage 1 Pokemon without Mega Evolutions an extra buff, such as Dong- Donphan, Ursaring, or Marcargo Pants. It's a weird thought, and I don't know how I feel about it, so I figured I'd run it by you. Keep up the good work, AC. Where do, where do I put this garbage in my Pokedex? Yeah, what 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 Pokedex <laughs> number does it get? I'm, I'm you you the math does not work. Yeah, the Pokedex number would be a little weird. Although I mean, well, like, I mean with it's Polytoad already weird with Honchcrow and like yeah. Politoed and stuff. Fine, the math does work. I, what, I mean, I like Mortar? the idea. They they can do whatever they want. Um, and it is it is a nice idea where they can sort of just expand on our currently enjoyed Pokemons. Well, except that the problem is that they haven't revealed them yet, right? And I don't want them... One of the biggest, my biggest criticisms of Black 2, White 2 was it's like, oh, it's five years later. And wow, we've had this huge surge of foreign Pokemon all over <laughs> Unova now that we didn't have five years ago. And I'm like, oh, this is... Is the life cycle of Pokemon really five years that they could have this many uh, appear from, from out of nowhere? Well, so, uh, cargo plane just flew overhead and opened its hatch and you know dropped a bunch of chimchars and stuff. That's the uh, plot there weren't of any chimchars Black and White One Point Five. Yeah, <laughs> the story uh, you the cargo didn't plane. get. But you know, yeah, that's so. That's my, one of my concerns with Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and introducing new pokemon that just they weren't there but they just happen to be there now that 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 i would not enjoy that i would that would take away from the games for for me so but even if they didn't do this in ultra sun and ultra moon but they didn't a future game it would still be interesting i suppose i my guess is they wouldn't do it just because i doubt they would want to introduce two versions of the same evolutionary line where one is strictly better than the other. And I don't think they would be willing to put in the design effort to craft an evolution in the theoretical uh, version of the evolutionary line that has an additional stage. I doubt they would want to put in all the design effort to make it not seem strictly better than the evolutionary line that doesn't get the evolution is what i'm saying does that make sense yeah so just for clarification purposes maybe this is a dumb question and i i'm pretty confident i know the answer but i'm just gonna ask it anyways you can only get alolan ratata in sun and moon right Mm -hmm. correct and but if i take a regular ratata from x and y move it to Pokemon Bank, and then move it to Sun and Moon, it stays as a regular Reddit. Correct. Correct. 
if you breed it, however, that was my next question. Be, it will be born as an Alolan form. Okay, but what if I breed two Ratata from X and Y? Is it then Alolan because you're in Sun and Moon? Yes, to my knowledge. I can look it up and confirm, but that was my understanding. So a, a regular muck and a ditto in Sun and Moon will pr- produce an Alolan Grimer even though it shouldn't? I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't. If, well, if, I mean, it's the influence of the islands, so... Okay, right. but it's but Mama Muck has no rainbow going through her. Okay, genetics has no application to the Pokemon world, even if they did try to imply that through Pokemon <laughs> X and Y. <laughs> Eggs appear by magic, not biology. Well, not with that attitude. No comment. I guess my other question, and we probably don't know the answer, is... I can have Alolan Rattata and regular Rattata sit in Pokemon Bank together. And the assumption would be whenever a new game comes out that isn't Alolan related. So let's say, you know, Gen 8 is on Australia and I move Alolan Rattata and Alolan, Alolan Rattata and regular Rattata into a daycare. I would assume that maybe if the mom is Alolan, it produces. Well, that doesn't make sense, because going with your original statement, if if it's the region that is generating these Rattata to be dark, then on a different island, they would just become normal again, even though one might be Alolan and one wouldn't be Alolan. One of the parents has to hold Alolan incense, and then it is an Alolan child. That's not a, that's I... not a real thing. No, it's not. I was, so in that, as you were asking that question, I was looking up uh, to see if my previous answer was correct. And it was to a point to backpedal a little bit. The question was, do two Kanto form Pokemon, uh, so like two Kanto form Rattata, if they breed, do they form Alolan or Kanto form Rattata if bred in Sun and Moon? And the Answer is that they will form an Alolan Rattata unless they are given Everstones to hold. At which point they will breed a Kanto Rattata. Okay. What? They both have to have Everstones? Um, the only example I could find on the internet was, was with a Ditto, so I'm not sure. It mm. might be just the mother or just the father. I would imagine just the mother. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. It's a good question, too. From AC. Well, I think that'll wrap up emails. If you have any emails, and if if you first off, if you sent an email, I haven't gotten to it. Don't worry, I they are flagged to read. If it's been if it's been more like a month and I haven't gotten to it, maybe re-email. But anyways, if you want to send in any emails, sbj at pkmncast.com or pokemonpodcast.com and hit that contact button and send us your emails. We love reading them. Let's do our Pokemon of the week. So we switched it up the week before because Travis is here. What it's going to Mm -hmm. be is Will's going to start off Pokemon of the week with the biology. What is it called? Biology? Biology. Yep. 
And then Travis will give us a moveset for that. And then I'll do a quick Pokemon Go moveset. And then we'll do trivia and then we'll wrap it up. So this is the first time we're trying it with Travis because uh, they were not here when we originally switched this up. That's right. Take it away, Will. Did we say our Pokemon of the Week was Kabutops? Did I say that? <laughs> no. No, and you're supposed to say it at the beginning of the program, too. Oh, yeah, that poor yeah. little kid went to sleep and that will never know hopefully, what the Pokemon uh, of the Week was. Hopefully he read the show <laughs> notes. <laughs> With a body closely resembling a living skeleton, Kabutops has a half-moon, disc-shaped head with two small, forward-facing eyes. Its body has a light gray chest plate with a brown shell resembling a visible backbone, containing three ribs protruding on each side and a thick pointed tail. It does not have hands, but large, sharp gray scythes. Its legs are brown and thin, leading into small feet with two large gray claws. Kabutops can tuck in its shell to help it swim extremely fast in its ocean home, where it can catch prey. It uses its sharp size to cut enemies and drink their internal fluids. Before it went extinct, it was in the process of evolving into a land-dweller in order to catch prey that had already evolved into land-dwelling species. As seen in the anime, Kabutops greatly prefer to live in seclusion and will become very hostile when provoked. Well, we get to see some of that hostility on the Pokemon battlefield. And for that, we have a submission (laughs) from... Kevin, a frequent Pokemon of the Week contributor in the Pokemon of the Week Slack channel. Because Kabutops has access to a very strong ability in Swift Swim, this is going to be uh, a moveset designed to be paired with something that sets up Rain, most likely Pelipper, which I believe was a Pokemon of the Week uh, maybe a month ago. So Pelipper will set up Rain with the ability Drizzle, and then Kabutops will be paired with it. Uh, because the Swift Swim ability I mentioned earlier doubles the speed of a given Pokemon when under the effects of Rain, which is very handy to be able to go first more often. So it's going to be Kabutops with a Life Orb to maximize the amount of damage output we're having, given that uh, Swift Swim gears you towards a very offensive set, with Adamant Nature to maximize the amount of damage you're outputting, and then 252 EVs in attack, speed, and then four and HP. Your moves are going to be Waterfall and Stone Edge for same type attack bonus. Also, Waterfall is going to be boosted in the rain anyway, so that's going to hit very hard. Uh, Stone Edge, because that's uh, the secondary ability of Kabutops. Swords Dance, if uh, you is in there because it uh, you're already dealing a lot of damage, but sometimes if you're up against uh, something like maybe a Celesteela that's been, that's been granted a boost to its defenses from like uh ultra boost is that what that ability is called you can i think it's uh, beast boost beast boost there we go um you can uh increase your attack by two stages to be able to break through walls like that and then the last move kevin recommends either uh aqua jet for priority uh superpower for more coverage or protect because protect is always quite good if you want to take that move set to the real world battlefield, my transition was not as good as Travis's. Yeah, you, you tried. In Pokemon Go, the best move set you can have for Kabutops is Fury Cutter and Stone Edge. Now, one of the reasons I picked Kabutops was because we are getting Moltres next as our legendary Pokemon in the wild. 
Uh, while Kabutops isn't the best choice for Moltres, it is still a pretty good Pokemon to use because of the rock and water typing. The unfortunate thing here is while Fury Cutter is one of the better fast type attacks for Kabutops, Rock Smash is also decent, but you're not you're not getting a stab on any of these. Uh, Mud Shot is your third best move, so the fast moves are either Fury Cutter, Rock Smash, or Mud Shot. Fury Cutter being the best, Mud Shot being the worst, because uh, none of the, none of those get stab, which is unfortunate. And if you're unfamiliar of what stab is, it's same type attack bonus. So for Kaboot Tops, it would be any Rock type moves and any Water type moves, and those three fast attacks I read off neither are Rock or Water. Stone Edge is going to be your best charge type move, which would do, uh, which should work Moltres pretty well. Uh, Water Pulse is going to be the second best move again, going to do some hard work on Moltres. Ancient Power is going to be the worst charge type move, but again, in this situation, still pretty good for Moltres. Uh, Kabutops is not as good as probably what would be Omastar to use against Moltres, which is best move set is Rock Throat and Hydro Pump. Both are stab type moves. Both are super effective against Moltres, but again, if you're going in battle against this legendary Pokemon, uh, you're going to have the resistance against the, the flying type that Moltres is doing, and you're going to have the resistance against the fire type. So personally, Kabutops, not a terrible choice uh, for this week's legendary Pokemon if, uh, if you happen to find a Moltres, and more importantly, if you happen to find a group to do Moltres with in battle. I've got a lot of response that people liked the Pokemon Go moveset. So there you go. If you enjoyed both the Travis moveset for Sun and Moon and the Pokemon Go well, moveset. Well, really, the Kevin moveset. <laughs> uh, please let us know uh, via Twitter or Slack or whatever. Some trivia real quick. In Pokemon Red and Blue Beta, Kabutops was, really, uh, was originally known as Lantis. Del delivered, derived, derived from the word Atlantis. Kabutops has a scientific name, Kabutops Maximus, which is stated in Fossil Fuel Fools. Is this spelled wrong? Fools? Fossil Fools? I think it's it's a anime episode title and they're all puns. So Fossil Fools oh, as opposed I to Fossil see. Fuels. Got it. In <laughs> the other Pokemon known with a scientific name is Oddish with Odium Wondrous. The name Kabutops Maximus does have a real meaning. When it's translated, it means the largest Kabuto face, referring to the size and shape of Kabutops' head. Kabutops and its pre-evolution share the same category name with Blastoise. They are all known as the shellfish Pokemon. Hmm, and Blastoise isn't a fish at all. It's a turtle. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not weird a fish. That called the shellfish. That's weird. Well, it has a shell that has it, that going for it. With it can it's halfway there. Cannons installed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's do some house cleaning real quick. Greg from Mythical, myself, and Micah will be at the Minnesota PokeCon. It's fourth year, if I'm not mistaken. We will be there on Saturday. We will have a panel at 7 p.m., which will be recorded for you guys that cannot make it out in minnesota if i'm if i'm correct tickets are about 40 to 50 dollars for the weekend i'm not sure how much a saturday pass will be but 
Like I said, we will just be there on Saturday. Our panel is at 7. It is titled, How to Eat Pokemon. And I will leave it as that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's disturbing. It, uh, it should be a good panel, hopefully. Uh, very excited how, for that. How to serve man. It's actually a cookbook. <laughs> we will be there. We will we we of course dying to meet you guys. So if you're if you're in the Minnesota area, please come out. We will probably be leaving right after the panel. Uh Micah and I will be, so we will be there when the when the con opens, which is at ten AM. We will be there all day till seven. We'll do the panel and then we gotta jet out back to Milwaukee. So please come out to that. I will be at PAX West. Irene and I are going to PAX West. Uh, we will be having a panel there. Uh, just like our previous PAX panel, the one I did with Travis and Will, and it was, it went over very well. It will be top 10 Pokemon of the electric type, uh, voted by the audience. What, what, Travis, what won Boston? That was water Pokemon. What was that? Is it I think it ended up being either Vaporeon or Magikarp or Squirtle. Yeah. So it'll be electric Pokemon this time. I is Pikachu going to win? No. No. <laughs> no, but, it's, it'll be like Alolan Raichu or something. Oh, maybe. Uh, but very happy to say that the J Wits from YouTube, from the employer YouTube, <laughs> from the company YouTube, uh, J Wits will be there uh, on our panel, and I am working with a couple other guests to have on the show. So hopefully, I can announce those 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 folks next week. But J Wits will be on the panel. Uh, I do know that they gave us a 400-seated room, which Boston gave us 300 seats, and we were we filled that very quickly, so thank you, everyone that came out. Uh, very excited to see everyone at PAX. Uh, we will have an unofficial meetup, an unofficial PAX meetup for those who cannot buy PAX tickets outside of PAX, uh, which went over pretty well last year. I won't be there, so... Uh... Travis, yeah, Travis uh, you and just, will you can not just be mail there. all you can just mail me all of my presents that you're planning on bringing <laughs> to me my mailing address no uh the other thing is we have a patreon patreon patreon.com slash it's super effective if you want to support the show we are moving into August so always a good month always a good time to sign up at the beginning of the month Augie doggy <laughs> You can sign up uh, and get access to our Slack community. Also, if you pledge at $4 a month, uh, you will get access to my other podcast I do with Irene, which is called Alola Vacation, which is a Pokemon Sun and Moon anime recap podcast. Rumor has it you like the Alolan, you like the Sun and Moon anime, even though before, I do. before doing that podcast, your opinion was the other one, the one where you said you didn't like it. I didn't, yeah, I didn't like it because of the Team Rocket and all that stuff, and I, it's still a little bit bothersome, but uh, I like the new direction they take with Ash. Me too. Yeah, uh, we'll leave it at that. So if you're interested in having more podcasts in your podcast app, uh, for $4 a month, you can get a brand new podcast and all the old episodes and all the new episodes. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, you can still jump over to Patreon. I do publish stuff. Uh, that is in regards to the show, so there is a big update of the upcoming conventions we're going to and some other stuff if you're interested in reading that. And I think that's it. I think that's everything. If we forgot something, though, we will talk about it next week, as always. But you can follow Travis on Twitter at TheTravisW. Follow Will on Twitter at WashInTheSink. And you can follow me on Twitter at DraggingALake. 
Finally, the best way to stay up to date with the podcast, of course, is on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. But speaking of Pokemon Podcast, this has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super super crustaceans. that dog clean in 2017.